We sing the song, Teach Me, O Lord. And then we turn to his word so that that will happen. For it is by word and spirit that the Lord answers that very prayer. Teach me, O Lord. And you can see in your bulletin that we're turning now to 2 Timothy chapter 4. Our theme lately on Sunday mornings, our theme is the habits of grace. We're called to to live a life, a Christian life, that is all about the grace of God. It's, It's motivated by the grace of God. And it's a life in which we seek after that grace again and again. And it's a life in which we find it, we find that grace, in part as God smiles upon our own regular, our own habitual efforts to seek and serve Him, thus the habits of grace. And lately in our sermon series, we're focusing on the elements of worship that make up our church service on Sunday mornings. What exactly is it that we do as a matter of routine, beginning at 9 a.m. on Sunday mornings? And last week, the particular habit that we focused on, just a reminder here, just to get our bearings, was the reading of Scripture in our worship services on Sunday mornings. Remember, Paul wrote to Timothy back in 1 Timothy chapter 4. He said, Timothy, until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture as well as to exhortation and to teaching. Devote yourself to this. So it's supposed to be a habit of the church that the Scriptures are read when we get together for worship. From another vantage point, it's supposed to be a habit of the minister himself who's supposed to be devoted to it. Devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture. That was Timothy's calling, and it's mine. And it's every minister's calling. Not just to do this when the church gets together, but to be devoted to it. It's something that we all need to be reminded to be devoted to. And that's because it is an activity that gives us the Word of God with peculiar purity and power. And it's also because it's an activity that we can end up undervaluing if we're not careful. So it's good for all of us, the one who reads and all who listen, and ideally the one who's reading is also listening to his own words. It's good for all of us to be reminded that we should be devoted to this. So that was last week, the reading of Scripture in public worship. And then we can say the very same thing about the very next thing which happens in the worship service, which is the preaching of the word. So from last Sunday to this, we go from the reading of the writings in worship to the preaching of them, the proclamation of what they mean and what they ought to mean to us in our lives. And so for this, we turn to 2 Timothy 4, and you can see in your bulletin that I'm going to read for us the first five verses of this chapter. So listen now to the word of God. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. 
reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. But having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. 2 Timothy chapter 4. Let's pray together. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you that you've appointed in the worship service that it should be read and proclaimed. We thank you for this because we love the sound of your voice. We just ask you in song to teach us to open our hearts, and that's our prayer now. Speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So lately we're talking about habits here at New Hope. We're talking about the spiritual habits that make for a healthy spiritual life. And we can be honest. When it comes to habits, when it comes to living a life of rhythms and routines and repetition, we can be honest, there are days when you don't feel up for it. There are days when you'd much rather press pause on your habits, when you would much rather press snooze on your proverbial life alarm clock and pick up the habits some other day. Mama said there'll be days like this. There'll be days like this, my mama said, as the song goes. So maybe you're a student. There are days when it's tough to get up and go to school in the morning. I'm seeing some nodding heads. And then there are nights when it's tough to crack the books before you go to bed. And then there are days and nights when it's both of those in less than 24 hours. Or maybe it's on the job. There are days when it's tough to get up and go to work in the morning. And then there are those staff meetings that are scheduled every Monday morning at 9 a.m. And there are some Mondays when you would definitely prefer to take a pass on that habit. Maybe it's in the home, and there it's rhythms and routines like doing the laundry and cutting the grass. And then, lo and behold, the grass grows again. Maybe it's staying in shape, and there it's habits and disciplines like hitting the gym when you'd rather not hit anything, or skipping dessert when you'd rather hit that. Whatever it might be, there are days when you just don't feel up for it. There are days when those habits and disciplines feel decidedly out of season. Or you personally feel out of season in contemplating them and in contemplating the prospect of pressing on in them. So what do we do about that? 
how do we handle that, right? We're being realistic today. We're, we're acknowledging this candidly. When things feel so out of season and we just don't feel up for it that day. And maybe not just one day. Well, we do need to allow for the fact that there are some days when it's okay to take a pass. There's grace in our lives. There's flexibility in our calling. So that's, that's true. And it takes wisdom to sort that out from one circumstance to the next, from one day to the next. And yet it's also true that we want to be a people who put on display a certain perseverance in our callings, including our habits. We want to be a persevering people and we want it to show. Well, the preaching of the Word of God among the people of God is one of them. A faithful preaching ministry takes perseverance on the part of the minister. It also takes perseverance on the part of the congregation because it can feel out of season for them too. The preaching of the Word of God among the people of God in season and out of season. And that's exactly what Paul's talking to Timothy about here in 2 Timothy 4. And just like last week, when we were talking about the reading of Scripture in worship, well, it's true again this week as we're talking about the preaching of the Word in worship. Which is to say, first and foremost, this is a passage about the minister's habit. This is Paul saying to Timothy, Timothy, you keep preaching. But then the implication is, this is also the whole church's habit. Let's all be in on this together. Sunday after Sunday, preacher and listeners alike, because this, the preaching of the word, is something that we share in. Sunday after Sunday. So let's take a look at what Paul has to say here. And I'll tell you right now what I have in mind, how we're going to go about it. As we sometimes do, the first thing we're going to do is simply walk through these five verses. Let's see what's here. Just a walk through. And then when we've done that, we'll take a step back and think about some lessons that we can glean from this and take with us. So we'll walk through and then lessons to learn. So take a look again, verse 1, and, and have a sense of the solemnity, the gravity of verse 1, as you hear it again. Paul says, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom... Pause there. Can you not imagine Timothy practically holding his breath at that point, on the edge of his seat at that point? I mean, what kind of introduction is that? The solemnity of it, the gravity of it, especially in light of the fact that this is Paul's last letter before he dies. He knows he doesn't have long, and he says so in this letter, that that's his expectation. And in light of the fact as well that this is near the end of Paul's last letter before he dies, for so many reasons, this is a hold-your-breath 
edge-of-your-seat moment. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom. Imagine, Timothy, what on earth is Paul going to say to me after that? What's the great apostle Paul going to charge me to do after an introduction like that? And the answer is, Timothy, preach. Preach the word. Look at verse 2. He says, preach the word, and then he goes on, be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. So Paul charges Timothy to preach the word. In other words, proclaim. Proclaim with power what God has said. Preach the word. And then, notice some of the other terms that Paul uses after that. Because Paul uses these other words to give Timothy a sense of what his ministry of the word ought to entail. So, for example, Paul says, reprove and rebuke. In other words, Timothy, you're going to have to correct people for their error and their sin. Reprove and rebuke. And Paul also says, exhort. Timothy, you're going to have to urge people in the way that they should go. And Paul also says, teach. In other words, set the truth before them. Set the truth before them in such a way that they learn it and embrace it. Timothy, preach. Reprove. Rebuke, exhort, teach, all of that. And then notice this as well, verse 2. Paul doesn't just say, Timothy, do those things. Go about that ministry. He also says, be ready. Right? Timothy, be ready for ministry. Because preaching and teaching and all of that, That's not a last-minute business. That's not a one-time thing. That's the kind of calling you've got to be ready for over the long haul, over a lifetime. Be ready for it. And, And what does that mean? What does that look like for Timothy, for any minister, to be ready for ministry? Well, it means giving yourself to it so that you're growing in your own understanding, right? Keep studying, keep learning, because you're still learning. You've still got a lot to learn yourself. That's part of readiness. Being ready for it also means being deeply persuaded that what you're proclaiming is true and that the act of proclaiming it is worthwhile. That's part of what it means to be ready, to be persuaded like that. And being ready for it means being practiced at it so that your skill set is honed. And being ready for it means planning ahead insofar as you can so that you're not caught off guard, so that you're not caught winging it. Timothy, you've got to be ready for this. And then notice what else he says. He says, Timothy, be ready for it. In season and out of season. I love that phrase. 
in season and out of season. And maybe you can tell already from the way we got into the sermon today that we're honing in on that phrase today, in season and out of season. The point is, Timothy, there are going to be times when this feels like a fight, the ministry you've been given. There are going to be times, I'm telling you, when it feels like you are running into a stiff headwind. And that could be because of things that are going on inside of you. Notice Paul uses that phrase, but he doesn't, he doesn't define it. And he certainly doesn't narrow it in season and out of season. So that could be because of things that are going on inside of you. Doubts and discouragements and worries and weariness that have you feeling cold and tired. Or it could be because of things that are going on outside of you. Maybe the church you're serving doesn't seem to be all that interested in what you're preaching and teaching. Or maybe the culture at large is growing increasingly hostile to what you're preaching. So, Timothy, all the more reason why you've got to be ready. All the more reason why you've got to be patient. And notice, Paul says that too, complete patience. So Paul's saying, Timothy, be faithful in this ministry. Be ready for it. Be ready for it in season and out of season. And then he keeps going. Beginning at verse 3. As for the things that might be swirling around you in the church and in the world, the kinds of things that might make ministry feel like a fight, well, Paul goes on to say more about that. Look at verse 3. He says, the time is coming. When people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. How's that for out of season? Timothy, you're going to have to keep preaching and teaching the truth even when people don't want to hear it. Even when people positively turn away from it. Even when people turn away from you personally and find other preachers and teachers whose messages they prefer out of season. And that's why I read Jeremiah for us earlier in our service. That that sounds a lot like what Jeremiah's ministry was like. God says, Jeremiah, I want you to keep proclaiming my message to my people. And oh, by the way, they're going to hate you for it. They're going to fight you for it. Paul's saying to Timothy, Timothy, you can expect some of that yourself. But he says, don't let that cause you to shrink back. Don't let that cause you to quit. Look at verse 5. Last verse for us today. Verse 5. As for you, he says, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. So Paul's saying, Timothy, this is what you can expect, but keep going. Press on. Among other things, he says, press on because you've got good news to preach. That's what it means to be an evangelist, right? He says, do the work of an evangelist. Well, that's what it means to be an evangelist, to be a good news man. You've got good news to preach? Well, then preach it. Do the work of an evangelist. So that's what Paul has to say here. There's our walkthrough, right? Verses 1 through 5. 
Timothy, be faithful in this ministry. Be ready for it in season and out of season. Here's what it's going to look like. Here's what it's going to feel like when it's out of season. But you press on. So there's a walkthrough, verses 1 through 5. Now, what do we take from all of that? Here's Paul writing to Timothy in the days of the apostles a long, long time ago. It's in a very different part of the world. So what do we take from it today, 2023, here in Fairfax, Virginia? Here's the first point. Something we can take from this. This is rightly something that happens in our worship service on Sunday morning. Remember, that's where we are in our sermon series, thinking about what we do here starting at 9 a.m. on Sundays. When the people of God get together for worship, the word of God ought to be preached. This is rightly part of our service when we get together. And here, too, we can can say again this week something very much like what we said last week about the reading of Scripture, which is this is exactly what people would have expected In this brand new movement that was the Christian church in the days of the apostles, they would have expected that the word of God, that the meaning of the writings would be proclaimed as well as read when they got together for worship. And they'd have expected that again, just like last week. They'd have expected that in part because the Jews, they were used to that. Sabbath after Sabbath, when they gathered for worship in their local synagogue. So it would have come as no surprise that when Christians gathered as Christians, the word would be preached. We get a glimpse of this in Luke chapter 4, this fantastic episode at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. Luke chapter 4. And what I love about this one is that it brings together both the reading of the writings and the preaching of them in the synagogue. Luke chapter 4. Maybe you know the story. It says this. He came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, right, his habit, as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and he stood up to read. So there's going to be the reading of the writings. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So Jesus is given the scroll, reads it, and then it says this, He rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down and the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. How's that for a sermon? Reads from Isaiah, hands the scroll back, sits down and begins to preach. And the sermon amounts to this. You're looking at him. But the point is, this was part of the worship pattern of God's people. 
This was part of the weekly rhythm that they'd come to expect. The scriptures are read, and then there's the proclamation of the meaning of what was just read. In other words, there was preaching when they met for worship. Of course there was. Because this has always been a part of the life of God's people by God's own appointment. That he should provide his own servants among his own people who will not only read the writings, but who will then preach them, who will then explain them, who will then drive them home into our understandings so as to shape our lives. So all that to say, when you show up here on Sunday mornings for worship, you don't have to think, who does this guy think he is? Taking 35 to 40 minutes of our time to tell us what he thinks. That's just it. This isn't ultimately a matter of what I think. Though it is something, hopefully, that I've thought through and that I'm persuaded of, but ultimately, this isn't a matter of taking your time and mine just to tell you what I think. This is a matter of the proclamation of the meaning of the writings that have been read. And I do that in worship. And we want to be sure that this is true of everything we do in this worship service. I do that in worship because we're persuaded on the basis of the scriptures that God himself wants it in his worship. So we can start there. That's the first point. This is rightly an element of our service on Sunday morning. And then here's a second one. And this second one builds on the first. The first point was this is rightly an element of our worship when we get together on Sunday. Now we can take it a step further and say that in the preaching of the word, Jesus Christ is rightly front and center. Jesus Christ is rightly glorified, magnified for us. That doesn't mean every sermon every Sunday is going to be chiefly about him, about who he is and what he did. But it does mean that a faithful preaching ministry is going to glorify Christ, magnify Christ over the long haul. And I say that because of what Paul says to Timothy here. He says, do the work of an evangelist. In other words, you've got good news, well then preach it. Well, brothers and sisters, there's only good news because there's Jesus. Apart from him, what good news have we got? There's only the good news of salvation because of who he is and because of what he did. And so if Jesus starts to feel like a mere supporting actor in the church's preaching ministry, something's wrong brings to mind what Peter says in Acts 10 when he is not only proclaiming Jesus but proclaiming the mission that was given to the church. This is Acts 10 uh, verse 42. Peter says this, Jesus commanded us to preach to the people 
And to testify that he's the one appointed by God to be the judge of the living and the dead. To him all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. So wherever we roam in the scriptures in our preaching ministry, over the long haul, Christ is going to be magnified as the one who will judge the living and the dead. Christ is to be glorified as the only one in whom forgiveness is to be found. Paul drives this home too, Romans 10. Paul says, How will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And then he says, How are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. That's Paul in Romans 10. Drawing upon Isaiah. People need to hear about Jesus so that they can believe in him. And it's by preaching that they hear about him. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. How beautiful are the feet of those who who come to town like evangelists. Because they've got good news to preach and they're determined to preach it. So that's our second point. Christ is rightly magnified here from this pulpit. So the first one was preaching on Sundays. The second one was Jesus in that preaching. And now the third one also builds on those. And it's just like I said last week. I'll say it again this week. You can pray for Dave and me. Just like last week. We can say it again this week. This is one of our habits as your ministers, as your pastors, that we should be devoted To the preaching of the word. Including magnifying Christ. In that preaching ministry. Pray for us. That that would be true of us. For our sake and for yours. And for the sake of the proclamation of the good news for this city. Our Westminster larger catechism. Poses this question. Thinking again about Dave and me, the work we have, why we need you to pray for us. Our larger catechism asks this question. How is the word of God to be preached by those that are called thereunto? That's the question. How is the word of God to be preached by those who are called to it? And because it's the larger catechism, the answer is large. Listen to this. Answer. They that are called to labor in the ministry of the word are to preach sound doctrine. And then what follows are a series of adverbs. They're to preach sound doctrine diligently in season and out of season. So there's our 2 Timothy 4. Diligently in season and out of season. Plainly, not in the enticing words of man's wisdom but in the demonstration of the spirit and of power. So diligently, plainly, what's next? Faithfully, making known the whole counsel of God. And then what's next? Wisely, applying themselves to the necessities and capacities of the hearers. And then what's next? Zealously, 
with fervent love to God and the souls of his people. And then finally this, sincerely aiming at God's glory and their conversion, edification, and salvation. That, says our larger catechism, is how the word of God ought to be preached by those who are called to preaching, and that's a lot. And that's why I say you can pray for Dave and me that we would be preachers and teachers like that. And then one more point. We'll wrap up with this one. And this one has to do with perseverance. On my part and yours. Remember, be ready in season and out of season. There's that potent phrase again. In season and out of season when it comes to the church's preaching ministry. That goes for the preacher, and by implication, it goes for the listeners as well. In season and out of season. And it's good for us to anticipate unseasonable times. That itself is part of being ready. I know I've mentioned I've been doing some running lately. And it's been such a help for me to have a text thread going with some fellow UVA alumni pals who are also fellow runners. I've been able to glean some good wisdom from them, from some folks who are more experienced at running than I've been lately. And one of them made an observation that has proven so helpful to me. She said, some days your legs just feel heavy. Some days are heavy leg days. Some days as a runner, your legs just feel heavy. And not necessarily because you've done anything wrong. Sometimes it's not because you screwed up. It's not because you trained poorly. It's not because you hit the dessert table instead of the training table. It's not because you're running uphill. It's just that there are days like that. Even when you've been on your best behavior. And, and I say it was helpful for me to hear that, at first I realized that might not sound all that helpful. At first that might sound rather deflating. Great, I've got that to look forward to. You're telling me that I can be on my best behavior and train well and I'm still going to have heavy leg days. Yeah, thanks for that. But it really is helpful. I'm telling you, and maybe you know this from your own experience in athletics. It really is helpful to know that there are going to be days like that, and that's because it helps you to prepare mentally for them in advance. And it's also because it helps you to process it when you realize that it's actually happening. And you're feeling that way. You're not thrown into a tailspin of discouragement. You're not left thinking, oh, I must have done something terribly wrong, and I might as well quit. You're you're armed. Forewarned is forearmed for times when it feels like that. And there is definitely a spiritual parallel to that. And I suspect you know it. I suspect you've experienced it. There are days when your soul feels heavy. Just does. 
And again, not necessarily because you've done anything wrong. Sometimes it's not because you screwed up. It's not because you haven't been training well spiritually. It's not because you've been eating spiritual junk food. Some days are heavy soul days. They just are, including, let me say, some Sundays. And friends, we can be honest here. I know very well that there are some Sundays when it's a little harder to get out of bed and come here. And that goes for you. There are some Sundays when the prospect of coming here and listening to the sermon doesn't light a fire quite the way it does other weeks. I know that. And it goes for me, too. Preachers are people, too. There are some Sundays when the prospect of coming here and preaching doesn't light a fire in me quite the way it does other Sundays. Now, I can say honestly, this isn't one of them. I came here today, and I'm grateful for it with a certain bounce in my pastoral step. But there are some Sundays when it does not feel like that quite so much. For all of us, preachers and hearers alike, there are some Sunday mornings that feel out of season when it comes to preaching. And then we keep going. We, we all know this too. We've all experienced this too. It may not be just one Sunday here and there. It could be a whole stretch. It could be a whole chapter in your life that feels out of season when things don't feel quite so right spiritually. That could be because of some trial that's weighing you down. It could be because of something physical that you're enduring that you can't beat. It could be that clouds have rolled in and you're not entirely sure why. Clouds have rolled in and for a good long while now there's been no, no steady wind to move them along. A whole stretch that feels out of season. And what I want to say to you today is that just realizing that, realizing that that's a possibility for us in this life, that is part of what it means to be ready. Remember Paul says, Timothy, be ready for preaching. The implication for all Christians is be ready to hear preaching. And sure enough, just knowing that some days, some weeks, some stretches feel more favorable than others, that's part of what it means to be ready. Just knowing that. Because then when it does feel that way on a particular Sunday or several of them, you won't be wrecked by it. To the contrary, you'll be better equipped to handle it. And handling it involves, among other things, patient prayer. Father in heaven, I'm down in a valley right now. That kind of prayer. Father, I'm down in a valley today, maybe these days, where my my hunger for the preaching of the word is waning. Father, stir that hunger again. And would you use today's sermon to do it? 
Use even my baby steps to stir that hunger again. So you're not thrown by it. Instead, you take a deep breath and you exhale that kind of prayer to God who is gracious and who helps us in just that way. Remember, this is a God who's given us a Savior. Remember, this is a Savior who's meant to be glorified and magnified in our preaching ministry. A Savior in whom forgiveness is to be found. Remember Acts 10, I read it earlier. To him all the prophets, that is to Christ, all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. So when you find that things feel out of season for you, as one who would hear the word preached, it may not be because you've done anything wrong. It's just that kind of day. It's just that kind of stretch. And you can go to the Lord in prayer. But maybe it is because you've been careless. You've been neglectful. Maybe to some degree, Christian, I'll put it this way, it is your fault. Because you've been careless about nurturing that hunger for preaching within. But you know what? Even if you find that, don't be thrown into a tailspin of discouragement. Why? Because to Christ, all the prophets bear witness. That there's forgiveness in his name. Including this. Including being forgiven when you haven't related to the preaching of the word entirely as you should. How great is our God. To a point that his word should be preached. And to give us a word that centers on a savior. In whom forgiveness is to be found. And to give us his spirit so that this word runs its course in our lives. How great is our God. And amen. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, you are immeasurably great, unfathomably gracious as we think about the habits of grace, and this is one of them that you have appointed, that your word should be preached when we gather for worship. Thank you that you have appointed that and that you are pleased to bless the preaching of your word, and we ask that you would bless the preaching of it this day, which we have just heard. We pray that you would grant us to be ready for this, to be devoted to this as preacher and hearers alike, in season and out of season. Thank you that yours is a word that abides in season and out of season. And Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. And we pray in his name. Amen.